0: A few years ago, I got the idea that I wanted my own brand for women to sell women's clothing and lingerie, but I had no idea where to get started. But then I found Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design, Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. One of the biggest obstacles for a first-time shop owner like me is having no e-commerce experience, but Shopify simplified everything so much that the site has become the least of my worries. From the graphic design aspect to making customer service super easy on my end, there's nothing you can't do. They give you everything you need to take control of your business, even as a beginner. Sign up now for a $1 per month trial at Shopify.com slash ForTheGirls, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash ForTheGirls now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ForTheGirls. Life doesn't happen bi weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with EarnIn. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access, Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Settling is not an option for Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? (laughs) Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of For the Girls. I'm your host, Victoria Alario. And today, we're talking about understanding and communicating your needs and I also have a Dear Victoria segment at the end that I think is a really interesting one so definitely stay with me until the end because we got a lot to discuss and I think that you'll really enjoy that Dear Victoria advice segment as well at the end but before we get into all that I'm just going to do a little bit of a personal life update because I just had a really bad week and I just feel like I want to get it out there. I don't know. It, it, first of all, it is Sunday night right now, which is late for me to be doing an episode because my episodes go out at midnight on Sundays. They go out at, on Monday, technically, but basically it feels like a Sunday night. So Monday at midnight, my episodes are out. Therefore, I typically record anywhere from Wednesday to Friday. Like, maybe I'll write my notes on Wednesday, and then on Thursday, I'll record, and then on Friday, I'll do like my editing and get it all published and scheduled for Monday. But that did not happen this week. There was no way (laughs) that it was possible. First things first, I was actually sick. So I had uh, nothing major, but I had like a cold. So I was really stuffy. I kind of still sound a little bit stuffy, but. I was stuffy, my throat was scratchy, I just didn't really feel well, so that was already happening, and then, on Thursday, my, I don't, I really don't want to cry, because I've been crying for four days now, I don't even know, but I've been basically crying since Thursday. My dog died, um, that I've had for 10 years, and, here I am crying. I'm really going to try not to, but it's just been very hard because it was quite sudden. And, um, you know, I feel like people, I, I, I never really understood it myself. Like, you know, the way that people get all worked up about pets dying. Like, I feel like I used to feel like I, I wouldn't really relate or understand. And, it was clearly just because I had never been through it but my dog was 10 you know it's just it's really it's something that I can't even explain because you don't really realize how fast the time flies you know like 10 years I had her and it feels like just yesterday that I got her and you know Time just gets ahead of you so fast. And now I'm like, of course, I wish I could go back and do it all over again. And there's, just, I just wish I would have spent more time with her. I wish I didn't move around so much. You know, she was my dog and I got her when I was in college. But then, you know, I moved to Florida and I intended on taking her with me when I moved in the first place. But I, ha- I was moving out of my mom's house and my mom at that time was like, please no, like, you're leaving. Don't take the dog. Like, the house is going to be so quiet. Like, no, leave her here. So I left her and I intended on, like, eventually taking her. But it just ended up, like, you don't want to take the dog out of the house where she's so comfortable and she loves to be. And, of course, she was so, so, so attached to my mom. Like, she was originally my dog. But really, I mean, that was my mom's dog because she was just obsessed with her. And all the years of me moving around, you know, I was in Florida, then I went to Hoboken and in Hoboken, I couldn't have a dog. So it just kind of ended up that my mom ended up really keeping her. And so now that I've been closer to home, of course, I I see her all the time and I, I love her as if she's still my own, regardless of where she lives. That's like my baby. She was the first living thing I ever had to take care of in my life and yeah like now of course what do you think is going on in my head I'm like all these years like I wish I never left her and it's just oh my god it's just awful I mean she really I guess she was sick I, I keep saying she wasn't sick but she wasn't like old and struggling it just it kind of all happened so fast and she didn't really feel well that week but <laughs> two weeks ago she's fine and bopping around and doing her thing and then as of like last sunday well i guess kind of last weekend but really last sunday she didn't feel well she got sick and we took her to the vet on wednesday and her blood work was fine like everything was supposed to be fine and then thursday she passed away and even the vet was shocked because the vet just didn't think it was going to happen that fast and So it's just been a really hard weekend and anyone who's gone through that can relate. And I guess there's never the right time where you're never like really fully mentally and emotionally prepared. Like I keep saying, I wish we had more time, you know, another three years, another four years. I know plenty of people who had dogs lived to 15, 16, 17. My cousin's dog lived to 19. So to me, I'm like... 10 I I think of 10 as being so young and so I I say I wish we had more time but then on the other end I'm like (laughs) in another three years but I have been fine but I have been like oh it's okay because I've had it for 13 years no I've been hurt just as bad so I guess there's no way to really prepare or to feel better about it you know it was just sudden and the only peace I have with it is that she was home and she was with my mom and in her bed and that's just where she loved to be. I, I feel so terrible, but, you know, I'm just glad we didn't have to put her down. I'm glad that it wasn't like in a vet or in a hospital, like a dog hospital, because she hated places like that. She didn't even like going to the groomer. My dog didn't even like leaving the house there is one place that she ever cared to go and that was the park but other than that she um she didn't like to leave the house she has a personality just like me she's like a little old lady she's a homebody she loves to eat she loves to lay in bed she loves to listen to music and just hang out at home she had no interest in anyone or anything other than like my family me, my mom, my dad, and my brother, and that's who she was, you know, with, so I'm just, that's the only piece I have, is that we didn't have to, you know, put her down, but, and if you don't have a dog, I'm sorry for you to listen to all of this, because I know that you can't relate, and like I said, once upon a time, I couldn't relate either, but shit, I mean, it is just the worst, like, I just, keep picturing her and she she was just such a little baby and I'm just I just feel so sad for her and I just hope she's okay and yeah I I just I, I just hope that she's okay that's that's really it I guess that's all you could hope for but for anyone else who does have a dog just you know, don't, don't ever, like, leave their side, seriously, just appreciate all of the time that you have with them, because it go it goes so fast, I can't even fathom that she was 10 years old, because I don't know where the 10 years went, I think of her as such a baby, I really do, so that is that, and, you know, on this, literally on the day that she died, I had to, um, have an MRI on my back because for the past year I've been really suffering with back pain and I just I'm always uncomfortable like I'm always in pain and I I I literally forget what it's like to not have back pain like I don't even know what that must feel like to just not have discomfort in my back like I really can't even like I don't know it feels like a lifetime ago but For the past, like, year to two years, I'm always complaining that my back hurts. And so, more recently, I would say, since I moved back to Staten Island, not that there's any correlation, but I could just kind of pinpoint that it was in around May or June that everything just started to feel ten times worse. So, for the past few months, I have been in, like, agony. Like, I'm in constant, constant pain. Even working out, I'm like, no, I can't do that because it hurts my back. And so I had scheduled an MRI for Thursday prior to thinking that, you know, that was going to happen to Lily, but I had to go to the appointment, which was god-awful. I know everyone in that office is probably like, that poor girl, what is happening? Because I went in with swollen eyes, my eyes were, I was just an emotional wreck, and my eyes were full of tears, they were super swollen- I was getting choked up every time I talked. They're like calling my name. It's my time to go in and I'm getting choked up. They're probably like, what is going on right now with that girl? But long story short, my results came back and I have bulging discs in my back, which I guess is quite common. I personally never heard of it, but when I did get the results, they told me not to like panic because that's very common. And now the past few people I've told that I have the bulging discs have said either they have it or their mom has it, their sister has it, whoever. And I'm just, I have relief that I know what it is now. And now I have like solutions that I can do. But if anyone can relate or has had them, whatever, just please send me any like tips and tricks and what you've done and how you've helped yourself, because I guess I'm gonna go to the chiropractor, some people say it helps, some people say it doesn't, they say physical therapy, everyone has opinions on like what's better or worse, go to physical therapy, go to the chiropractor, get a massage therapist, me personally, I've gotten massages for years, never helped me, so I really don't know, but I just, I'm really looking to alleviate this back pain, because it, it hurts, I'm, always uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable right now i'm uncomfortable when i'm in bed at night i'm like tossing and turning trying to get comfortable and my bed is comfortable it's just me so now i now that i know i have these bulging discs in my back please let me know if you have any insight on that for me to help a girl out i think i'm all cried out now and all life updated up if that makes any sense, all caught up. But yeah, I'm glad that I waited to record this episode because like I said, if I would have stuck to my original schedule, this whole episode would have just been about my poor Lily and just talking about her and crying and whatever. But I did want to share just because, of course, this podcast is about, you know, in some capacity, my life. And I want to always keep you up to date with certain things and what I'm going through. So now you girls know, but now that I took the weekend to cry as much as I possibly can, I feel ready to talk about something that other people will be interested in hearing about. So this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around the weight of different stressors in life, and no matter how big or small, when we keep them bottled up, it could start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can even be there to just empower you to be the best version of yourself or to also help you practice setting and enforcing boundaries too. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist And you can even switch therapists if need be at any time for no additional charge. Therapy has never been made so easy before. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash ForTheGirls today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash ForTheGirls. We're all girls here, so I think it's safe to say we all agree that we mostly look forward to going home every day simply so we could take our bras off. We wear bras because we have to, not because we want to. But today's sponsor, Honeylove, just might be the thing that changes that for you. Say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that make you sweat. Honeylove has started a revolution of bras you actually want to wear. I personally started wearing Honey Love over the summer and was in shock of how comfortable I felt in their bra and shapewear. I'm a huge shapewear girly, especially for special occasions, like a wedding to wear under a dress. And sometimes they're just so uncomfortable, too tight. They roll down, they roll up and end up becoming more of a burden than anything else. But I felt so confident wearing Honey Love. It was a totally new experience for me. And now I swear by them. So treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash for the girls. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash for the girls. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. Treat yourself to Honeylove because you deserve it. Let's get into this discussion, shall we? So girls, let me be the one to make it very clear to you that you need to have your needs met. Okay, I'm going to say that again. You need to have your needs met. If you want to make that an affirmation, tell yourself, I need to have my needs met. Write it down, put it on sticky notes, stick it on the mirror, put it in your car, put it in your notes, put it on your computer, on your lock screen. I need to have my needs met. Period. End of sentence. Okay, that is it. And step one is obviously knowing and understanding what your needs truly are. And this, like, self-accountability is so important here. It is so important when it comes to understanding your needs because self-accountability is how and when you will actually implement what those needs are. It's how you will actually implement your standards and boundaries. Will you stick to them? Having that self-accountability is a a matter of being true to yourself. It's remaining true to who you are. It's knowing these are my standards, my boundaries, my morals, my values, my needs, my desires, so on and so forth, and actually sticking to them. So you gotta have that self-accountability. Like I've said before, we are not entitled to putting expectations on people to meet our needs, but we are entitled to what we desire, and upholding our needs. So if someone can't meet them, that's okay. We can express ourselves and communicate with them. But if they aren't aligned, then that's it. We go elsewhere. Someone or something better suited for you awaits you. So you're not putting expectations on people and trying to hold them accountable and saying, but you have to meet my needs. You're just holding yourself accountable to say, well, this is what my needs are. These are my needs. So if they're not going to be met, then this person isn't for me. Staying in relationships or maintaining friendships where your needs can't be met or won't be met should never happen. Take a shot every time I say needs, by the way, because I need a drink right now after the week I've had. And you all should get just as drunk as I will. That is a joke, but I did try to say it as seriously as I possibly can. If you do take a shot every time I say needs, maybe it'll be about 47 times. So let's relax on that. So how do we identify what our needs are first? Now now it's going to drive me crazy every time I say the word. How do we identify what they are first? Well, I break it down into three ways to know off the bat One, if it doesn't feel right, it isn't right. Two, if you feel lack or scarcity more than abundance. And three, question yourself. So for starters, your body will tell you before your words even do, before your head does. That's why I always say listen to your gut, listen to your intuition, more than listen to what your head is saying or what your mind is saying because that's all about what you are consciously thinking. Rather, your body, your gut, your intuition, is you. it might not be coming up for you in your head, but you'll feel it. Emotional and physical safety and security are the key feelings to know when a situation is right or wrong for you. If you don't feel entirely safe, You'll feel unsettled, you'll feel major doubt, and you're going to find yourself constantly overthinking. Now, remember, this doesn't only mean physically safe, like being scared. Of course, that's important. You do want to feel physically safe with someone. But I'm also really talking about emotional safety. Because emotional safety is feeling at peace with someone. Like you can be a million percent yourself, without fearing judgment or rejection. And you'll know because you'll feel that. If it doesn't feel right, it isn't right. Don't ignore the feeling. Instead, go after that feeling. Look deeper into that feeling. Really try to figure out what feels off, what feels unsafe. When do I feel safe or unsafe? That's how you know what's right for you, based on the peace That comes along with that thing. It's knowing you can't say or do the wrong thing. That's the piece. It's knowing with this person I'm completely emotionally and physically safe. I cannot say or do the wrong thing. They're my people. It's that feeling and that knowingness that you can ask for what you want. Without fearing that they're going to think you're asking for too much. It's knowing... I can be completely comfortable with this person wholeheartedly, okay? Next, if you feel lack or scarce more than you feel abundant, it's important to know and own that something is missing. You might feel like, let me just shut my mouth. Like I said, I don't want to sound like I'm asking for too much. I don't want to be ungrateful. I don't want to be unappreciative. But the honest truth is, it's just that deep down, you know you want more. Or, even better, you know that you need more. Take another shot. (laughs) It's knowing that you just need more. It's not about being ungrateful. It's not about being unappreciative. It's not about asking for too much. It's just knowing that there's a scarcity feeling here. There's a a lacking feeling here. There's something missing and I need more. So a very kind of silly but very, very, very valid example for me personally is that all five love languages are equally important to me. And I'm going to give you this example because I think it really applies here with that scarcity feeling. Everyone says that there's got to be one. No, you can't have all five. One takes precedent. You'll you'll need one more than the other. But for me personally, knowing my needs, take a shot, I can say all five are equally important. And it's even like The biggest gurus, like Jay Shetty, like all of them say, no, you need to have, really know what your one love language is. And I disagree. Maybe Jay Shetty is more emotionally evolved than I am in this world because he's been around the block. But I don't care. This is how I truly feel. And I think it's very valid if you feel the same way as well. I can honestly say that if physical touch is present, but words of affirmation aren't, I will feel the lack of that. And I will feel the need for words. But if the roles were reversed, if words of affirmation were present and physical touch were not, I would feel that and question, why isn't my partner affectionate with me? Like, are they not attracted to me? They don't touch me. Even if they tell me I'm so beautiful, I would feel that they're not attracted to me because they're not touching me. So either way you spin it, it would matter to me. I would feel the lack. Or if quality time, if that was fulfilled, but gifts didn't exist, I'd feel like nothing, even the smallest of things, nothing makes my partner think of me. That they would want to surprise me with a gift. Even if it was a pack of gum that just happened to be a flavor that I like. You know, like if there was no sense of giving any sort of gift, flowers, whatever it might be, I would really feel the weight of that because it wouldn't be there. But then you could spin it the other way around as well. If I did get gifts, but we didn't spend quality time together, I would feel very lonely. And I would feel like they don't really value me or appreciate me because they don't want to even spend that quality time together. And then again, we can even throw acts of service in there. I can have a great night with my partner, spending wonderful time together, having all the quality time. He could come over with flowers and check off the gifts, and we could spend our time doing nothing but Affirming each other and giving each other words of affirmation and that physical touch and cuddling. And there you got all four. We got quality time, we got gifts, we got words of affirmation, and we got physical affection and touch and all that. But guess what? The icing on the cake to all of that would still be him taking the garbage out for me when he leaves and goes home. And that right there is the acts of service. So now, after all of that, you know, the quality time, the physical touch, the words of uh, affirmation, and the gifts, I would still probably end up feeling frustrated if he walked out of my house and didn't take the garbage on the way home. And I had to now do it myself. So, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I love to use that example because all of those things are equally important to me. And I would feel that lack. I would feel that scarcity. I wouldn't feel abundant because one is heavier than the other. Now that's not valid for everyone. But my point is, even when you think you should be in full abundance mode, if your needs are not being entirely met, you will feel that lack. But it's important to identify what exactly is being called on your heart. So you're not left feeling confused, okay? Because you have to make it as tangible as possible. This is what I need. So if you're not 100% sure of what your needs actually are and nothing is being called specifically to you, then you're just going to be throwing something at the wall until it sticks and you're always going to feel confused. You're always going to feel lack because you're not really sure. So you got to get tangible and specific, And so the third thing to tie it all together is to ask yourself questions because only you have the ability to give yourself the clarity you need. No one else can give it to you. No podcast episodes that I put out, no TikTok videos of what someone else has, like nothing or no one can tell you what your needs are. You need to dig deep and discover that within. I actually watched a video the other day that I will say, made me cringe. I can't even believe I watched the whole thing, but I happen to be doing my makeup, so you know when you're doing your makeup, and like a long video comes up, and you're like, oh good, finally I don't have to swipe every 30 seconds, I could get like a full 10 minute video here to just listen to, so... Whatever, I'm sitting doing my makeup listening to this girl read off her relationship rules, and I was dying. It was like, I must have my boyfriend's location on at all times so I can track him. He's not allowed to go out anywhere with his friends without sending me a video, scanning the whole room, showing me the room so that I could see no other girls are there, which, by the way, is fucking hilarious because. Where can your man go that other girls won't be there? Even down to the employees, like, there's, there's gonna have to be girls of some sort there. Uh, what was another one? She said she has all of his phone password, All of his passwords, not just the phone. She has the phone password. She has the Instagram, the Snapchat, whatever app. Actually, I think she might have said he's not allowed to have Snapchat. So I don't think he has a Snapchat. But whatever accounts he does have, TikTok, Instagram, she's got all the passwords. Oh, and another one was, speaking of social media, was that he has to unfollow every girl that she doesn't personally know. So, like, even if he knows somebody well from, like, I don't know, work or whatever, like, if she doesn't personally know them, he has to unfollow them. And the kicker is that there were actually more things on this list, too. Okay? That's not even it. I'm just saying what I can remember. But there were more things on this list. It was a long-ass video. Now, what's crazy to me is that people probably watch videos like this and listen to videos like this and think that it's what they want or need to. So they're going to hear that and say, oh, I want to have my boyfriend's password. I want to have his location on. I don't want him to go out somewhere where other girls are. Or you should unfollow every girl that I don't personally know. Me personally whether it's just who I am as a person with my confidence or whether it's in my relationship specifically with this person that I trust. I don't know which way it is, but me personally, I don't find any of those things to be necessary. I don't need any of those things. Let's put it that way. Even if I said, yeah, sure. Like I would turn on location just to, just to know, like I just don't need it. Like, I wouldn't be opposed. Like, of course, if he asked or offered, I wouldn't say no, I don't want it. I just, I just don't need it. Or if he offered to, you know, never go out with his friends or unfollow every girl he's ever known, like, sure, like, go for it. It doesn't, it just, I wouldn't necessarily ask of those things because I just don't need those things i don't find those things necessary if i need to know where you are i'm just gonna call you i'm just gonna ask you i've never been the type to have anyone's location even aside from relationships i know a lot of my friends have my location i don't even know how to check their location i just never my brain doesn't go there if i want to know where you are i call i text i'll just ask or if you're going to go for dinner and drinks with your friends Go, because trust me, I go to dinner and drinks with my girlfriends and I want to be able to continue to do that. So I wouldn't tell my partner that they can't do that. And then as far as the passwords, the honest truth is I would never even remember your passwords. There's really no point in me knowing because I don't even remember my own. I'm constantly having to reset my own passwords, probably on a weekly basis. I can't even tell you how many times that I have to reset my passwords because I don't even remember them so I really probably wouldn't remember yours I'm not opposed to it like say for example you're not necessarily Instagram and stuff like that because really why would any person ever need that I would never want or need your social media account passwords but say the phone for like safety purposes you know say that you have to get into their phones I don't know god forbid of an emergency sure of course I'm totally fine with that but I, I don't know it's just it's never come up it's never been something I feel entitled to or it's never been something that I feel I need I, I if my boyfriend is looking for something on my phone I'll just be like oh yeah this is my password so that you could just type it so that you could open the phone oh so tell me what answer this text for me you know whatever it might be like sure things like that but I don't know again it's not a need And this may be a matter of your own confidence that you have in yourself, or it may be the confidence and security that you have in the relationship. Like I said, that feeling of emotional safety and security. If you have that, you're not going to necessarily have these needs, regardless of what you see online. And the other thing too, with the unfollowing situation, I mean, I'm not going to lie. A while back, months ago, I definitely did look at who my boyfriend follows on social media because I was curious. Not necessarily like I was going to do anything with that information. Not like I was necessarily going to pinpoint certain people and say, you have to unfollow this person or who's that? Like, no, I've never done that. But I've certainly looked because I would like to know who my boyfriend follows on social media. But quite frankly, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Of course, he follows girls because... He met people and knew people from before he even met me. <laughs> we only met this year, so I don't know the people that you've known prior to this year. Nothing stood out to me to be like suspicious of or I don't know feel threatened by. just like he doesn't he doesn't even pay attention to them. Like he just happens to know them and has followed them from the past. So no, it's just not it's not something that's really on my radar. And the reason why I'm bringing all of this up and going through all of these things is because I hear it all the time. And I think it's just really important to know that what someone else needs, you very much might not. And that's okay. So don't try to convince yourself that you have to have all of those things. So this is why I want to bring it back to asking yourself questions. Questioning yourself to give yourself that clarity because no TikTok video is going to give you true inner peace or true inner clarity. So, some example questions to ask yourself would include things like What doesn't feel right? What do I feel? Why don't I feel safe or secure? What makes me feel unsafe? Where do I feel lack? What do I feel that I need more of? Is something missing? What is it? What's missing? Why do I feel unsatisfied? How do I feel unsatisfied? Where do I feel unsatisfied? Where do I feel unfulfilled? How do I feel unfulfilled? What would bring me peace? What would bring me abundance? What would make me feel safe? What am I saying yes to that I would like to let go of and start setting boundaries around? What else do I need to start saying no to? What boundaries do I need to protect my peace with this situation? What would solve my problem right now? What do I need right now? This is why our relationship with ourselves is the most important relationship that we have. It is the foundation of our lives. And the key way to grow that is our dialogue with ourselves. What we tell ourselves, what we ask ourselves... And in this dialogue, we will naturally identify what our needs are. So what comes next is how we respond to them. Hence, communicating your needs. So I put together an entire list on how to clearly and maturely do that. So let's go through it. 1. Get clear and conscious. It's important to avoid behaving and speaking subconsciously. I talk about this all the time because that is when you will struggle to stand firm in your needs. That is when you really won't be able to stay true to yourself. So the key tip to communicating your needs clearly is to be as mindful as possible so you aren't wavering or doubting yourself, or slipping into old or toxic behaviors, unhealthy patterns, and so on and so forth. 2. Control Your Emotions This is a really big one to go hand in hand alongside the not slipping into those toxic or unhealthy behaviors and patterns. Controlling your emotions is so important because sometimes we lash out due to frustration or impatience and it sets us back times 10. All the inner work we've done, all the healing we've practiced, all the self-awareness that we've raised could all just go straight out the window if you lose control of your emotions. This is the ultimate test of strength, maturity, growth, and self-composure. Next, number three, tap into your feminine. So these are some examples of traits of the divine feminine energy. Emotionally connecting, nurturing, vulnerable, expressive, controlling their emotions like I just said, prioritizes feelings, good communication skills, compassionate, gentle, kindness, and forgiving. What will happen when we tap into these traits is that we don't get so defensive. We trust more in the divine timing and the natural flow of life, divine reasoning, so on and so forth. God, the universe, we are just way more trusting into these higher powers. It may not automatically mean that we become so easygoing and super chill, go with the flow, laid back type of people. No, it doesn't have to mean that. But we release the feeling of tension and fear of not getting what we want. The feminine knows. The divine feminine knows my needs will be met. If not here, somewhere else. It's this or it's something better. Number four, approach with I feel no one can argue your feelings stating things as I feel comes from the heart rather than being argumentative and stating things from the head as a matter of fact like I think I think I think it's a much different more gentle approach. With the same goal in mind, saying I think and I feel truly do have the same goal in mind. Really to just like get your point across, express yourself, and speak from what you truly think that you know. But I feel is all about what comes from the heart. It's all about feelings. And there's really no way to kind of argue that. So you kind of get to like be right in your feelings because your feelings are so valid. But it's also just... Like I said, a way less argumentative approach to stating, you know, your feelings and getting your point across, and in explaining yourself and explaining your needs ultimately. And this also goes hand in hand with the next one, which is to avoid accusing. Like I said, we are like really trying to pull away from arguing, so that's why I suggest approaching with "I feel." Because being really accusatory is really hand in hand with a victim mentality. So it's very important that we get out of that victim mindset. Accusing people of being intentionally hurtful or being ignorant will turn the situation into a you versus me confrontation instead of a you and me Versus the problem conversation. And that's not what you want. In relationships, you're a team. So it should be me and you against the world. Me and you against this issue. Not this issue is making me and you become against each other. That is not what you want there. So that was number five. And for number six, also talking about problems, make sure that you are providing solutions with the problem. This is really huge in having those hard discussions because it's a sign of one, maintaining holding your power and not giving up your power to somebody else to provide the solution. And two, self-accountability. And three, teamwork. What did I just say? How important that is? Because it shows I've done the work and I know how I feel. So I know the solutions to this problem, not just like, well, I have high standards and I have expectations that you need to figure out. So what are you going to do here? What are you going to do about this problem? No, when you can present a problem with solutions alongside the problem, it shows that you're here with good intentions to help make the situation better, not worse. Think about it. Going back a couple bullets, how I said to avoid being accusatory, that is basically saying, "Here's there's a problem and you are the problem. You're causing the problem. This is your problem. Fix it. Provide, like, give me solutions. Fix this problem. Whereas if you have a need that's not being met and you have a problem in your relationship that you're able to say, here's what would make me happier or here's what I need from you. Or here's how that really made me feel and here's what the way that I think is a better approach that will work for me moving forward. That right there goes to show, okay, I'm telling you, I'm being honest with you. There's something I'm not happy with, but I'm not here to fight with you. I'm here to help the situation. I know what I want, what I need. Like I said, I did the work, so I don't expect you to figure out what I need. I'm going to tell you what it is that I need because I did the work and I know it. Number seven is know their communication style. So communicating with someone in their communication style will definitely help you get very far in these talks because it will make room for a sense of comfort for them to be able to express themselves with you. And for them to also be able to understand you better. Some people like to say everything at once and then let the other person reply. Some people like to have back and forth dialogue. So you have to know the style that works for you and that works for them. Are you the type of person who's gonna send a novel and then just let them read the whole novel and get back to you in bullet point format? Let them check all the boxes? Or do you just wanna get the main initial priority focal point out there first And then like save all the rest of the things to throw into the conversation as time goes on. It really depends. But if you talk to someone in the communication style that you know that they respond well to, they're just going to do so much better in the conversation. They're going to have that space to communicate the way that they do best. Whereas if you have had these issues and whatnot before and it's turned into arguments and this style of conversating really just hasn't worked out in the past, then clearly you shouldn't be doing it again. You should make it a conscious effort to avoid going back into cycles and repeating the same patterns with somebody again. That's when a relationship becomes toxic. So if you're picking up on certain things that do work, that's when you can say, oh, okay, here's the issue that I have. I got to approach it in that way. Number eight, be open to feedback and remove expectations. If you're going to get into communicating your needs, you really got to nail this one because you have to remember something. Your partner or whoever you're dealing with has their own set of beliefs, standards, morals, values, opinions, etc., so if you're closed off to feedback, it's because you don't care about those things. You don't want to hear their side of things. You don't care about the feelings that they may be having. You're not interested in understanding their beliefs, standards, morals, values, opinions, all of that. Like you're being dismissive of all of those things. But remember, you want them to hear you out. And your, your needs are valid. Your feelings are valid. So if you want them to give you that respect, and if you want to be able to get your whole point across, remember, you have to give them that same respect back. That's like, I feel like just life lessons 101, like treat people the way you want to be treated. So show them the respect that you would like to receive. Ask them. Is there anything you need from me too? Like, is there something that I don't see that I'm doing wrong? Like, is there something that I could be doing more of? Is there something that I'm doing that's bothering you? Like, how can I make you happier too? Like, what could I be doing better or different? And it could could go a different way. It doesn't even have to be so direct. It can just be kind of like saying, you know, here's how I feel and feel free to disagree with me. You know, like, be open to them disagreeing. Be open to them having just, you know, feedback for you because maybe you'll go into it thinking you're 100% right and this is all what's happening. But to them, based on their own mindset and beliefs, they have a completely different version of the story. And then what are you going to say? Like, well, that's not true. Like, Then you both have your own different versions of the truth. And so... Yeah, it's just very, very, very important that we remember to get rid of expectations if we're going to be directly communicating what we desire. Number nine, know the goal. Know what your ideal results and outcomes are. Stay on topic. Don't go off track. Have your priorities in order, your non-negotiables, and your focal points. Make sure you know I have to say this part. This is the non-negotiable. This is my focus. Sometimes one conversation leads into another. And then one thing leads into another. And then you completely lost the original goal. And now things are just messy. And now you're just going back and forth. And now you're just hurting each other. Stick to the original point and save any other conversations for another time. This doesn't have to be the only time that you get a chance to express yourself. If this is a romantic relationship, this is a partnership, you're going to have a lot of hard talks. You're going to have a lot of hard conversations. So don't think of this one as the only one. Think of like all of these things, Your all of your needs like a totem pole. What's at the top of the totem pole? What's at the bottom? What are we addressing today? Try not to like go all over the place and throw everything out there because then like things don't really stick because you lost the main point. So really try to hone in on that main point and know what your goal is around that thing, those ideal outcomes and results. This way you can actually get results. And then you could worry about the other things the next time. Whereas if you talk about everything at once, you're probably not really going to see major improvement toward those goals. And lastly, number 10, try sandwiching. Sandwiching can make hard conversations very simple. It looks like positive, negative, positive, okay? Imagine an Oreo or imagine sandwich where it's like the bread is the positive the inside stuff is the negative, and then the other bread is the positive like the top and the bottom bread you get what i'm saying it's good news bad news good news or compliment criticism compliment so an example of a compliment sandwich could be i don't know maybe i've actually learned about compliment sandwiches and sandwiching in business so i'm going to give you just a business example Just so you can understand, but you can use this in quite literally any way that you want. Romantic relationships, friendships, parents, whatever. So an example, you've been working so hard. You're doing so well and I love seeing your progress. Maybe though, next time you could try to change it up. Because this time it didn't really work out so well. And it'll probably be better if you try it like this instead. The last time I did this, it actually worked really well for me. So I think that'll probably be the right way to go but the way that you did it was honestly really good for a first try and you really should be proud of yourself there there you go very random made up example but you get the point in the beginning I complimented them telling them they've been working so hard I love their progress but then in the middle I gave them that feedback of but you didn't really have good results from it so this way worked for me and you should try that because your way just obviously didn't work And then at the end, I finished it up, closed it out with another compliment. Like, you should be so proud of yourself, though, because that was actually really good for a first try. So that's sandwiching. Sandwich your boyfriend's girls. So those are 10 ways that you can really enhance communicating your needs. Not all 10 of those ways are going to work for everybody. They're just options for you to all like play with, try out, see what works for you. And some things are going to align with you better than others. And that's perfectly fine. But I think out of all 10 of these, you at least have some options. I think it's a very tangible, straightforward list. So try them out. Give me some feedback. I'm open to feedback. I think that's one of the, the numbers on there. Be open to feedback. I definitely am, as per usual. So... Let me know how it works out for you in your next conversations. You girls should definitely send me some Dear Victoria submissions if you utilize this. If something doesn't work out, I want to hear about your situations that you might need advice on. But yeah, I hope that this list is very helpful for you girls in really breaking down your needs. But speaking of Dear Victoria, let's get into the Dear Victoria submission that we have for today. Dear Victoria... I, 21 female, and my boyfriend, 24 male, have been together for two and a half years. Everything was going basically perfect, and he quickly became the person I wanted to spend my life with. But he and his parents don't get along. I will admit, both parties can be stubborn and arrogant. So he's decided he'd rather live in his car than live with them. (laughs) Okay. Wow. (laughs) Wow. We were together through this for about three months until I moved and got my own suite. My boyfriend has his own new business so he hasn't had many clients yet so he isn't making enough money yet to pay his own rent. When I moved into the suite, he started relying on me to do his laundry, make him breakfast, etc. And while I was gone to work at my nine to five, he would sit in his car on the street outside of my house I still (laughs) I like feel like I can't even get through this oh my god this is so crazy I started to resent him because of this and we ended up breaking up and getting back together when he moved back in with his family okay thank god he moved back in with his family oh okay but then a couple of weeks ago he ended up being back in the same situation living in his car He started parking outside my house again which made me uncomfortable and he stored a bunch of stuff in my house. He says I'm not obligated to invite him in and he's perfectly happy in his car and doesn't ask me to come inside. He also says he would rather die than work a normal nine to five for rent money. However, I still feel guilty seeing him out there. Also, my parents live in the upper suite above me and they pay my rent for me and they can see all of what's going on which makes me feel embarrassed. Right now we're taking a break from our relationship so I can decide what to do. So what should I do? This is the craziest thing I think I've ever heard. And I have mixed feelings and two different types of feelings. On one hand, my first response and reaction to this is that boy is way, way too immature, way too stubborn. That stubbornness will get you killed. And just like that arrogance of like, I would rather die and I would rather live in my car and be homeless and broke than work a job and make money like that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. I think that mindset is very dangerous and it also just tells me that he must be that stubborn in all areas of life because you're not just like neutral and fine in every other way and then in this one situation you would go to the extreme of living in your car. Something tells me that he is just an extremely stubborn type of person period and that just doesn't really work with me because if you are his partner that's gonna like fuck you over at times that's gonna get you into really tough situations that you don't need to be in so to me I think this whole thing would be a deal breaker for me because it shows pure irresponsibility I think That is like a little boy mentality, a little boy's attitude. I get his passion for like, I don't want to work a nine to five. I want to run a business. But a man is willing to do whatever it takes and is willing to figure it out. This sounds like a little boy who's angry and mad at the world and is like okay with being the victim and is okay with living in his car outside of his girlfriend's apartment, like it's it's all just a bit too much and it's showing true irresponsibility. I think if he was a man, at least a man in my eyes that I would want to be with, he would, my, my ideal like outcome for him would be to just get a job for the next few months or a year to hold you over so you could even get a cheap, Apartment. It doesn't have to be a beautiful penthouse. It could be a studio just so that you have a bed. Just so that you have a place to shower and change. Like all of this homelessness as a just decision is something like you said, you feel embarrassed. And I think embarrassed is a very nice way to put it. Like there's a lot of feelings that could be there. These are all of my initial upfront feelings. If I were to play devil's advocate and give him the benefit of the doubt and see it on the other perspective, I think about how many entrepreneurs that I've heard had stories like this that are now multimillionaires, like insanely successful I believe Grant Cardone was one of those people that I heard a similar story to this that he was like living on a mattress in an abandoned like house like or a homeless shelter something of the sort I haven't heard the story in quite a while but now he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars potentially even a billionaire and that was because he had that hustle story of like I'm gonna make it work. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to just run this business and I have nothing else going for me. I was kicked out of school. I was on drugs. It was like one of those types of stories if I remember correctly. So when I hear those, I'm like, oh yeah, you could also be that ride or die girl who like sticks it out, supports her boyfriend in a time of need. And then it's like, started from the bottom, now we're here, you know? Like on that end, I say, Why are you letting your boyfriend stay outside of your apartment? I think that it's wrong of him to even be doing, but if I'm gonna think about it from this end, I'm like, why are you even letting that happen? Why aren't you just inviting him in? It's perfectly fine if you truly want your own personal space, but there's really no context here. So I'm not exactly sure why you're not inviting him in, why it's like, listen, I'm cool with you not inviting me. I just want to stay outside your house. Like if you're at work, why don't you let him stay in your apartment? Why, while you're at work, is he sitting in his car outside of there? Like, I mean, I would hope that if I were in need, my partner wouldn't abandon me, they would support me. However, with that being said, I also would never put myself in the predicament that your boyfriend is putting himself in. So that's where it goes back and forth. Like that's where it goes two ways. I think of it as if my parents kicked me out, if my job fired me, I couldn't get a job, I had nothing going for me and I'm really trying, I'm trying to get a job, I'm going on interviews, I'm doing all of the things that I have to do but I'm just struggling, like no one's hiring. Like if I were in that situation, then I would be like, My fucking asshole boyfriend isn't even helping me. I'm sitting in my car outside his house. That's how I would feel. But that's not this situation, you know? So that's where I go the two ways. For me, I say he put himself in this position. He has a family that would let him live with them. He's decided to live in his car. He's decided to go back and forth from living with them to not. So to me, I think... I would be telling my boyfriend that that's just unacceptable. Like, why are you choosing this life? Live with your parents. It's whatever. If they are making you miserable for the time being, like sometimes you just kind of have to suck it up because you don't have another choice. They are your parents. They don't seem to be terrible people. I think you would have mentioned that. They just seem to be having issues and that's probably the stubbornness and the fighting taking over so I I can't imagine choosing living in a car over choosing to live in a home for that reason so I would have that conversation with him of like I will not be with you if this is the life you keep choosing for yourself because that is just pure irresponsibility in my opinion that is just True immaturity and that stubbornness is way too much. It is dangerous how stubborn you are. So if you want to be with me, then you need to live with your parents and figure it out. Figure out the business stuff while having shelter. And if you refuse to live with your parents and you want to spend more time with me, like you want me to welcome you in more, then you need to get a job. Because I'm not going to let you mooch off of me, do your laundry here, eat my food, sleep in my place, rent free, all of these things if you're not making the effort to make money to at least survive. It's one thing if I need to support you a little bit for the next few months while you get your business running, that's a different conversation, but you have to at least be willing to get a job. In that case. Maybe you won't make as much as I do. Because I have a, a true traditional 9 to 5. I'm on a salary. I'm making good money. But at least get something. A part time job. Just show me stability. Show me proof that you can be responsible. And you could be a man who's willing to do what he needs to do. To make money. Live. Survive. And try to run his business in the process otherwise I can't I just can't be with you that's what I think that I would do but of course I understand at least a little bit your indecisiveness of like breaking up going back and forth and like having a difficult time because it might not be that straightforward it might not be that simple you might think the way that I was thinking before of like you know, of course I want to be there for you during this time. I hope that your business blows up. I hope you become a super successful millionaire. I hope all of these things. So I want to be there for you, ride or die chick, during these hard times. Like that, you know, my brain goes in that direction as well as like, I'm empathetic toward that situation. Like I I get it. But yeah, I think I would give that ultimatum of like, you either live with your parents and run your business and sure i'll be with you then or you i I don't know get a job and you could stay with me a little bit you don't have to fully pay for all of these things because i know you won't have that kind of money but i need to at least see the proof i need to at least see the effort and then yeah i mean of course i would let my partner live with me if they were in a tough time so i hope that that helps i just cannot get over how stubborn someone can be. like that is just so crazy to me. But yeah, that is, that's all I got for you. And I definitely want an update on this. That is for sure. If anyone else needs some help from me, any advice, please be sure to email me to victoria.forthegirlspodcast at gmail.com. Please make the subject say "Dear Victoria so you automatically go into the right folder. And then that is all we have for today. Thank you girls so much for listening. Thank you girls for letting me vent and more like break down. I really needed to get that all out there. But I appreciate you all so much for being here. Until next time, girls.